You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Yep, he's here. That guy. Uh, Aaron's here also. And it's the last show before the NFL season begins. Because tonight, Tommy, we get the NFL back, finally. And we get it back in a big way, Packers and Bears. Not a bad game to start the season with. It's the NFL's 100th anniversary. They're... They've gone away from the Super Bowl champion opening up this Thursday night game, and they've gone with a long-standing rivalry. In fact, I believe I think the Packers-Bears yeah. is the longest-standing rivalry, although... But they weren't the Bears when they played back in 1921. They were the Staleys. Yeah. But okay, I, you can't go wrong with tradition, I don't think. Yeah, probably not. I, I actually think that um, the Bears... Cardinals, the two franchises, the Staleys became the Bears, yes. right? And the other, the Chicago Cardinals became the Arizona Cardinals. It may actually be the longest running rivalry in terms of the first time they played, but Packers Bears, no one's going to want Cardinals Bears no, no. to open up the season. Although, actually, you know what? If Kyler Murray had been in the op- opener tonight, it would have been somewhat interesting to watch. Um, how are you? I'm doing great. Good. Doing great. This is also. The last time we'll be together before the Redskins play on Sunday. And we're going to get your season prediction. We'll get your prediction for the game on Sunday. Um, we've got other things to do. I gave out my NFC picks yesterday. I'll give out my NFC picks today, which will include getting to the Super Bowl winner. I want a couple of NFL predictions from you today also. We should talk about Nats Braves, a rather important series. Yes. But I wanted to tell you that on my way up here, because you've been here uh, for a while waiting for me to show up. And um, hopefully you were fed well because Mama Lucia came through as they a often g- a do. A gift from the gods. Uh, David you know, dropped uh, Mama Lucia's off, or somebody from Mama Lucia's dropped Mama Lucia's off. And we've got pizza, we've got other things, and it's really, really good. Um, <laughs> seems like you've enjoyed it. Yes, um, as you can tell by the mess <laughs> on your table. The, the mess on the table. Uh, but I was waiting for the elevator to come upstairs. And this, swear to God, two dudes hanging out down in that, you know, where that second elevator to come up to here. Yes. Two guys hanging out by the the door into that remodeling company. Yeah. And they're having the following conversation. The only difference in this team, the only place it got worse is at left tackle if Trent doesn't show up. Everywhere else, they are either the same or better than they were last year. And the other guy said, well, what about quarterback? He said, well, you know, Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins, you know, there's some questions around the quarterback, but it might be with Case Keenum a better situation than it was last year with Alex Smith. This is the conversation I'm listening to at the elevator. Uh, you know what? I, I, I can believe all of this because I can believe that Redskins fans have talked, them into the, talked themselves into the notion that they're no worse off with Case Keenum at quarterback than they were with with Alex Smith. Well, I actually do believe that. Um, I, it well, was you not... know what? If that's the tr- if that's the case, uh-huh. then Bruce Allen got hoodwinked, absolutely hoodwinked last year by trading for Alex Smith and then giving him the huge contract extension. Yeah, I, when I, he's basically, according to Redskins fans, Case Keenum. I was not um, in favor of the contract extension. I was not against the trade. They needed a quarterback. They And you pointed this out, and I think this had a lot to do with it. They needed to save face. 
you know, after the bungling of the Cousins situation. And look, nobody knew in the moment a year ago that Minnesota was going to go from an NFC championship team to not making the playoffs. Kirk actually had a decent year. We've gone through that, but he wasn't good enough in big spots. There was the feeling a year ago, look out if Minnesota ends up in the Super Bowl. And Bruce Allen in Bruce Allen in the Redskins had had a feeling that they better have somebody here that can actually play the position, and they gave up a lot for him. Um, I didn't have a problem with the trade; I had a problem with the contract extension. Let me just finish the conversation that I overheard. So, the other guy said, "No, no, no, no. They're they're not any better at quarterback. I mean, Case Keenum was is not a good quarterback, and Dwayne Haskins is going to be a rookie, and that's going to be the deciding factor." And then I heard the following from the one guy. Jay Gruden is the most underrated coach in the NFL. Oh, my God. I didn't have the heart to, like, jump into the conversation because the elevator had then just arrived. And I got on the elevator because I'm running late and we got to get this show done. And I, because um, I was over, I, I was at the radio station today, a lot of traffic coming over. Nobody cares about my situation. I don't want to sound like Chris Russell here <laughs> and tell you all the reasons I was late uh, for the show. But when I heard that, I just had this big grin and I'm like, this is what I'm going to open with. This is the story <laughs> that I got to tell Tommy, the most underrated coach in the NFL, Jay Gruden. Unbelievable. It, it's unbelievable how the power will cool It really is. You know, he's not a terrible coach. No, he's not. He's a middle-of-the-pack coach. That's what he is. He's a, he may be a good offensive coordinator. He's Norv Turner. No, Norv was a better offensive coordinator than Jay. Okay, but it's the same concept. Yeah. The guy promoted to a position that he really can't handle. I mean, being a head coach uh, is more than just drawing up the first 15 plays uh, uh, that, that your team is going to take. Right. And, and he's been he's been – lacking in that in those areas i mean just just ask every every team leader who gets cut by this team about what they think about jay gruden look jay's a good guy jay is a good offensive mind north turner good guy good offensive mind a pass offense jay knows football um jay is not you know a top half of the league head coach he is somewhere, I think I've said this before, he's somewhere between 16 and 22. Somewhere in that range, not much higher. We don't need to go through the whole list, and all of you are now thumbing through the list of coaches. And there are a lot of new coaches this year. So this year, if you if you strike all of the new coaches, he might be 14 or 15 or 16, somewhere in Listen, that range. ESPN's but, Lewis Riddick posted a few days ago who he thinks I think the top 10 coaches are. And maybe it was top five uh-huh. or top top five or top ten. Right. Uh, Jay Gruden was not on the list. You know who was? Who? Doug Peterson. Oh, yeah. He was no, on the list. Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. Doug Peterson is in that conversation right now. Um, Redskins are ten point underdogs now, Aaron. That line has gone to ten. All right. Um, I want to just quickly do the Nats because this is one of the biggest regular season series they've ever had as an organization. They have not had a September meaningful, you know, three or four game set with a team with playoff stakes, playoff implications, division pennant implications in their history in Washington. It's going to get overshadowed by the first weekend of football. Yes. In places like Washington. Right. You know, and maybe even in Atlanta. But 
I look at it as they they're pretty safe for the wild card right now. They they've got they've got a healthy lead on the second wild card spot. It's like six games over Philadelphia. You'd have to really you know come down the stretch sub five hundred with Philadelphia or somebody below them lighting it up down the stretch to lose one of those two wild cards. Look, I think you're a little bit too worked up about the Braves series. They're not going to catch the Braves. They're too far behind. The Braves would have to collapse for 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 the Nats to catch them at this point. Not How enough time. How many games back would they need to be right now for you to call this a really big series? I'd say maybe four games. Okay. You know, not seven games where they are. It's crazy. And I know they played them again. How well they play. And they played them again next weekend at home. They played three games right. against the Braves at home. Uh, what you don't, I think, mo- I think a lot of fans ha- have fallen into the security of okay, you know, we'll 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 be a wild card. And uh, what you don't want though is to be the second wild card team. You don't want to play that wild card game on the road. Not that they have a huge. You know, home field advantage. Just if you're a Nats fan, you'd like to have at least one playoff game at home this year. And I mean, I think it'd be disappointing to everybody if they wound up playing that wild card game in some place other than Nats Park. Yeah, because right now it would be more likely than not at yes. Wrigley Field, um, where the last time they had a playoff game at Wrigley Field, Strasburg came up massively yes, to force a fifth and deciding game in the in that playoff series a few years back. Um, all right, you, I just don't have high expectations. I, I'm many expectations at all of them okay, catching the Braves. If they win three out of four, all right. So they if they if they were to win three out of these four games and they're five back coming off of this, you know they, they've got hopes. If they win any, I mean a split, they're done. You know, losing three out of four or getting swept, they're done. Obviously, if they win three out of four or somehow were to sweep the Braves, which I don't anticipate, the Braves have won six in a row and yeah, fourteen the Braves and sixteen. Are good. They're really good. Um, but if somehow they were to, were to win three out of four or you know miraculously sweep them, you're talking about a legitimate pennant race. Now, Atlanta has Philadelphia six times, and then they got a break. They've got the Giants who aren't playing great anymore. They've got the Royals. They finish at the Mets, but this—I'll—I'll I'll grant you that you know, seven games back does not make like a vital, crucial September series. I guess it's just the first time that they've had one in September yeah. that's been anywhere near this important. Yes, and I, really, I'll grant you that. And it's a shame because as as well as they've played, that they're not closer. But it's because Atlanta's yeah. been so good. Um, so to me. If you're going on the road to play one of the best teams in baseball in the Braves and you come away with a split, you should be happy. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, look, if they play 500 ball the rest of the way, they're going to be in a, they're going right. to have a wild card. They could probably play sub 500 ball and still have a pretty good chance of of grabbing one of the two wild card spots. You know, I look at the postseason possibilities, you know, you throw uh, uh, the Scherzer we know out there for a wild card game, and maybe it's Corbin or Strasburg by the time you get there. Who knows? But if you were to win a wild card game, you got a really difficult – it's baseball. Anything can happen. It's best of five. But to face that Dodgers left-handed lineup primarily with not enough lefties right now that we know of that can right. get people out consistently, that on paper is not a great matchup. Terrible matchup. Although the Nats do have – 
you know, some explosive offense now that we weren't talking about a month ago when they were playing well. Like they're really offensively explosive compared to, to the other teams yes, in the National are. League. Anyway, I'm excited about it. I'm curious. Like tonight, you've got a football game on, and you got the Nats on. I'm going to really be into watching the Nats. I've got to do the Channel Four thing, you know, that we do that airs Sunday morning, Redskins Showtime. Record that, but I'm going to I'm going to be flipping back and forth. I'd love to see them somehow, you know, win tonight, win tomorrow night. Now you're talking about wow, if they can go into the weekend and win Saturday and Sunday, you're four back. You got a lot of momentum. Yes, you do. But these are the two teams that are playing along with the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Astros better than anybody in baseball. Yes, you know the Nats right now are you know are a chic dark horse pick to get to the World Series. Now you know that like their odds have been creeping, you know, towards hey, I Aaron, I, I don't know what they are they are now. They're they're at least 20% better than they were even 2 weeks ago in terms of their odds of winning the World Series. They've got to be the third pick, right, to win it all in the National League behind the Braves and the Dodgers. I would think they're in front of the Cardinals at this point to uh, to win the World Series. Well, look, and remember at the beginning of the year, the Nats were the pick by most observers. To, to go to win the National League and go to the World Series, in part because most people recognize they had an extremely talented roster. And it's proven to be, at the offense, at least even better than I think what everyone expected. I don't know if anyone expected Juan Soto to have such a great sophomore season or Victor Robles to emerge uh, as, as quickly as he did. Right. You know, I, I keep going back to those two guys. Those two guys are the difference. The difference in everything. How about the fact that with Eaton out, you're going to get Cabrera in the lineup full time for a little bit? It looks like. Um, I just pulled it up too. Aaron's looking at me. I've got I, on my site the Nats and Cardinals are both eighteen to one to win the World Series. Yeah, I was looking at NL pennant odds, uh, tied for third with the Cardinals, both eight. Yeah, to tied one. with the third. Yeah. Um, uh, tied for third. Uh, the the prohibitive favorite to win the World Series really, it's the Astros and the Dodgers. You know, and then um, the Yankees. The Yankees are like five to one. The Astros and Dodgers are both in that two to two and a half to one range. Um, anyway, all right. Um, I want to start the football discussion today with a question that I asked callers today on the radio uh, show, which I'm going to ask you. Um, I want you to fill in the blank on the following sentence I'd be most surprised if, fill in the blank, happen this season regarding the Redskins. I'd be most surprised if blank, fill in the blank, this happened during this season. What would you be most surprised about this year with the Redskins? You want me to give, let me give you an example or two. Okay. Okay. I'd be very surprised if Dwayne Haskins doesn't start at least eight games this year. I would be very surprised if that doesn't happen, in part because I just don't believe that this is going to be a real good football team this year. So worst case, they're 2-6, and 3-5, and five, and they decide the quarterback play is not great, the offensive play, let's go to them. The Eagles are already 7-1 you know, and one or 6-2. and two. The Cowboys are 6-2. and two. We ain't going to the playoffs. And I think we see Haskins for at least eight starts. I think it could be more, but I'd be surprised if Dwayne Haskins doesn't start at least eight games. I've got a couple of more as you're thinking about it. You want me to give you another one or no, are you I, ready? No, I got mine. Right, go. I've been consistent with what I've said all along. And, you know, it may alter slightly if and when Trent Williams returns to play. This may alter a little bit, but I'm going to stick with it. I'd be most surprised if the Redskins quarterback, 
who finishes the season is on the roster right now. Yeah, you've said that for a while. Well, that's, that's a good one. Yeah, it's a I good mean, one. I'd, I'd be, and, and most people think I'm crazy when I say that. I've had people call the radio station to say that's insane. Well, it's because you're predicting that it, that you know three quarterbacks get hurt. Yes, you're predicting that three well, only, quarterbacks get hurt only because I watched it last year. I know. That's true. Yeah, you did. I mean, we saw broken leg, broken leg, and then Josh Johnson. Well, no, Mark Sanchez first. Yeah, but he didn't get hurt. He, he was just hurt. brutally he, awful. He suffered from not able to play NFL yes. football. But Josh Johnson, at the end of the year, was hurt. He had that postseason surgery, right? Uh, ankle surgery. Think of another one because I'm going to give you my second one. Okay, you ready? I'd be surprised if Jay Gruden actually gets fired in season. It's not been the move for Dan Snyder since he did it with Norv Turner. There's actually not a lot to gain from it. You know, you can, you're not going to hire your replacement in December. You may hire that replacement the day after the season ends, but you can fire that coach on the day that the season ends and hire the new guy simultaneously. There's nothing that prevents you from doing that. His odds, by the way, for being fired continue. There continues to be even more separation um, between Jay Gruden and the field for the first coach fired. Jay Gruden right now is plus 275 to be the first coach fired uh, during the season. The second favorite is no coach gets fired. And then the third favorite is Bill O'Brien at plus 1,000. So Jay is 2.75 to 1, and Bill O'Brien's 10 to 1. Jay is a massive favorite. No coach being fired is 8 to 1, is a massive favorite to be fired in midseason. That's about as good, as strong a possibility, Vegas is telling you, of a coach being fired in season as you'll ever see before the season starts. I don't think it'll happen. Though. I don't think it'll happen. It's not his, it's not Dan Snyder's MO. It hasn't he, been. He has he didn't do it with Jim Zorn. He tried to get Jim Zorn to quit. But, you know, Zorn, Zorn looked at Zorn's wife looked at those paychecks and said I'm not going any you're <laughs> right. not going anywhere. Right. Well, let me piggyback on that. I'd be surprised if the guy who replaces him isn't Todd Bowles. Wow, where'd you come up with Todd Bowles? I'd be thrilled about that, but why would you come up with Todd Bowles? Because they had off-season discussions with him. About the defensive coordinator yeah, position. And, yeah, and I'm betting that some of those discussions included, just sit tight. There's going to be a head coaching job here for you. <laughs> here's Maybe. The, here's the problem with Bowles. He's going to have an awful season defensively. Yeah, but that won't Snyder. Snyder I it, think it won't stop Snyder. He's but fixated pub, with him. Yeah, the but the public reception will be a little. You know, it'll be downable, which actually might be even more of a reason because nobody else will be going after him. Yeah, he, he's fixated on him. Plus, I'm, I think I think the the public uh, disappointment will be overshadowed by the fact that he's a former Redskin. People will love that. Oh, I don't know about that. I hope that wouldn't be the reason. I actually like Todd Bowles a lot. Um, I think if they had kept him in New York, it would have worked out for him. Now that they finally have a quarterback there. Or at least the perception is that they have a quarterback in Darnold there. That's that's bold. I mean, mark that one down, Aaron. You know, if if they end up hiring Todd Bowles to be their next head coach, you heard it here first. You know, on September fifth, Tommy's saying that Todd Bowles is going to be the next head coach. I think actually right now the odds on favorite to be the new head coach in twenty twenty is Kevin O'Connell. Because assuming that O'Connell is the guy that really is developing Dwayne Haskins and there's progress there, maybe it's Jay that ends up you know, developing the relationship um, with Haskins. But you remember this too, and I know that you know people are out there saying, God, would you guys stop bashing them? 
It is hard now for Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen, if Bruce Allen's still here, wouldn't be nearly as hard if he weren't, to attract, you know, a proven coach that might be available. Yes. And by the way, the up-and-comers, whomever they are by the time we get to January 2020, will have better options. You know, so you're going to be left, as the Redskins were in 2014, with, you know, a guy that really not a lot of people wanted to be their head coach in Jay, in Jay Gruden. Mike Zimmer was the assistant that people were clamoring for out of Cincinnati. It wasn't Jay Gruden. Gruden was a candidate. Gruden was thought to be a potential head coach. But the Redskins, the last two times they've been in search mode, Jim Zorn is the, was turned out to be the head coach, and then it was, uh, well, Shanahan. They were in search mode yes. there. and. That was a that was a boatload of money. Yes, um, but they they won't attract their top, you know, two choices more likely than not. Probably not. Um, the other thing that I had on my um, I'd be surprised uh, list is I'd be surprised if the defense isn't significantly improved. They finished twentieth in the NFL in DVOA ratings. All right which is a better measurement of sort of their overall defenses compared to the rest of the league. The yards allowed stat that everybody uses is not a real good measuring stick of how good you were defensively. I like some of those simple statistics. I'm not going analytical on you here. I promise. I like, you know, things like rush defense and average yards per rush offensively, average yards per rush given up allowed, turnover margin obviously, but the Redskins were not the great defense that a lot of people seem to think they were. Boy, that has been a that's been some sort of level of revisionist history, hasn't it? That the defense yes, was has. so awesome last year. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah, and the Giants, the forty points the Giants scored should be a reminder of that. <laughs> In two and a half quarters. Yeah. Um, but it was improved from twenty seventeen. Yes. And it was significantly improved from twenty sixteen. And I'd be surprised if it doesn't take a, a major jump this year from 20th to somewhere approaching a top 10 you know defense and we don't need statistics we'll be able to see it on the field we'll be able to see it week by week so anyway i that that's my other one i'd be surprised if they aren't significantly improved defensively somewhere you know jumping from 20th to somewhere in that 10 to 12 range let me piggyback. I'd, I'd be disappointed too if they're not. Well, let me piggyback on that. Is it a Greg Minuski? I'd be surprised. Yes, I knew it. Yes, I. Think By the people... way, isn't it interesting how I can predict <laughs> almost everything you're about to say? I think people <laughs> are going to be disappointed in a Redskins defense uh, run by a defensive coordinator who they they tried all winter to replace, and also without <laughs> at least two coaches uh, from last year's team. Who basically couldn't get at couldn't get out of Dodge quick enough, replaced by two coaches who were out of football last year. Greg Minuski is the one who's going to get fired during the season as the defense winds up being a major disappointment. And uh Rob Ryan replaces him as defensive. So is that a, I'd be surprised if if Minuski doesn't get fired in season yes. and Rob Ryan replaces him. There you go. All right. I See, think, I don't mess around with I my think, I wonder if it would be Tom Sula or Ryan. Be in, boy, I mean, they just have so much depth on yes, their coaching staff. Yes, they do. All right, I have another question for you. You know, we touched on this, I think, or maybe it was when you were out sick. 
the top 100 lists on ESPN and on um, NFL.com, the top 100 players. Yeah. Not one Redskin was on the top 100 players on the ESPN list. And the only player on the top one, in the top 100 on the um, NFL Network list was Trent Williams, who came in at 81. Who are the best players on this team? Like right now, if I asked you to name the three best players on the team, who would you name? I would name Trent Williams. Okay, that's fair enough. He's not on the team Okay, right now. let's leave him off. Okay, I would name Matt Ioannidis. As one of the top three players on the team? Yes, I think, I think he's better than Jonathan Allen or Deron Payne. Mm-hmm. Okay, I would name Ryan Kerrigan, and I would name Landon Collins. Okay. You know, the, the, part of what I, I wanted to do here was also say, I don't know that the Redskins have an obvious, you know, A player like a true player that would have been considered for the top 100. Hence, they're not in the top 100. Right. Trent Williams is an A player, yes, but he's not on the roster right now. So do they even have an A player? Um, you're, you, Matt Ioannidis is, in my opinion, not one of the three best players. I do like him. I think he's a very good player. I think he's better than, than the guys you're in love with on the defensive line. I think that Brandon Sheriff would be one of the top three players on the team without Trent Williams on it. I actually believe that Adrian Peterson is probably one of the top three players. Apparently the coach doesn't team. agree with you. I understand that. Um, but that's because they're going young, and he's got a lot of faith gonna in Going to get really ugly. I know. We, You know what? Got to talk about that because I forgot. You weren't with me yesterday when we did this. Um, and I would probably put John Allen on that list I as know, well. I know. infatuated with him. Deron Payne, to me, is the most intriguing player to watch this year because I have a feeling that it's going to be very obvious by the midway point in the season that he's one of the top three players. I can't say that now definitively, but he looks different, like physically, build-wise, by the way, athletically. Who's, who's the strongest guy in the team? Probably Ioannidis. Yes, he is. Yeah. And this is what you need to remember about strong people. Mm-hmm. They're more useful, and they're harder to kill. <laughs> uh, it depends on what you're using. But the, um, but so anyway, th- that would be sort of my top three with Payne and Collins sort of on the outside looking in, you know, of, of that top three. Uh, all right. The Adrian Peterson thing. Um, that report came from... Jason Bishop. Yes, on the Junkies. On your station. On 106.7. And I don't have any reason to believe that it wasn't true. Um, Let's assume for a moment that it is true, that Jay Gruden and the rest of the organization had an argument. He wanted to release Adrian Peterson, and they said, no, you're not allowed to release Adrian Peterson. And even take it back to when they re-signed him as a free agent and and consider the following to be fact, that Jay never wanted to re-sign him in the first place. This is a big assumption that it is true, the report. What do you think? Well, I think Jay's comments yesterday, I think it was yesterday, when asked about Geis uh, and how he was so firm mm-hmm. in in his support of Geis and like there, like there was no plan B even to consider. For Jay, that's a bit unusual. I mean, to be so particularly firm in, in, in their decision – to, to go with Geis. And it, it was almost like, you know, like he, he had a little personal thing going on here. He's sick and tired of hearing about Adrian Peterson in the building. So when he got a chance publicly to talk about Geis, he was firm 100% in, 
in Darius Geis' corner as their number one back going into the season. Just to be clear, and by the way, I agree with you on that. He was asked if Adrian Peterson would have a lesser role. But why didn't somebody ask him point blank in the press conference yesterday if if they if Adrian Peterson was being discussed as a potential player? I mean, he would have answered. He wouldn't have answered it. But I, I think it could have been asked. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah. Um, he was asked uh, whether or not Adrian Peterson would have a lesser role in the offense with the emergence of Geis, and he said, we'll see, we'll see. I think initially we get going. I think you have to start with the first back, and you start the game on offense. You start the game with Darius Geis. From there, we'll see where it goes. I'm anxious to see him play. He's shown us that he's full go. He's had a good training camp. He's had good practices. He's into it men- mentally, and he goes on and on about Darius Geis. This is not a guy who he sounds like he's going to be pulling out every third or fourth running play and replace with somebody else. He basically said, you know, he wants to see him get going. And like I said, I, I wrote about this a couple weeks ago. I related to the Trent Williams thing, but it, it applies to this as well. Adrian Peterson is a financial bind. He, he according to a report USA Today, he needs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And that means he needs to play and carry the ball to get some money. Which, according to Jason uh, Bishop at, at 106.7 The Fan, this is why Jay wanted to move on from him because Adrian's going to be in his ear all season long saying, get me in the game. Yeah. Like he was in Arizona and like he was a bit with Sean Payton in New Orleans. I went back and looked at the early season carry totals just to, to see if there's any indication about what the backup running back's going to get. In the opener last year, Adrian, Adrian Peterson at Arizona went 26 carries, 96 yards. Chris Thompson, as their third down back, but also change of pace, had five carries. And Rob Kelly, who was on the team and healthy at that point, had three carries in a game, by the way, that was a blowout. Yes. You know, then in week two against Indianapolis, in a game, by the way, that they got behind early in and then threw it a ton to try to come back. Um, Peterson had 11 carries for 20 yards, and Rob Rob Kelly just had one carry. Chris Thompson had four carries, but they could have been third down carries. I I can't remember what they were. But the point here is that Jay's not given that backup running back a lot of carries, although I would also suggest that Adrian Peterson is the backup to Darius Geis is different than Rob Kelly, Fat Rob, is the backup to Adrian Peterson. Um but it's, I, I agree with you what you said, that it's not just what he said yesterday or the day before about the offense being, you know, and the carries going through Geis. It's been all of the talk about Samaje Pirine for a while. You know, going back to OTAs and minicamp, he was really building up Pirine, really talked about Pirine as quite the, you know, having quite the, yes. the OTA sessions. And then when they cut Pirine the other day and he got signed by Cincinnati, he said, Samaje is going to do well there. Almost to say, you're going to see, we should have kept Samaje and cut Adrian. I do think that there's a chance that there's some truth to this thing. Well, you know, that's kind of interesting, and that shows something that should be alarming to Redskins fans. If Jay Gruden, the head coach, wanted to keep a backup running back, he should have been able to keep a backup running back. If he has so little power... I said that yesterday. ...that he couldn't keep... You know, Samaje Pirine on the roster, that's a problem. I, he should have final say over the roster. Yes, period. and He's particularly, the and, my God, the backup running yeah, back? Unless, Tommy, unless there were significant you know, cap considerations, which in this particular instance there really aren't. Right. So I agree with you. And I also, on the flip side, would say, 
You know what, Jay? You're a head football coach in the NFL. Part of your job is to manage some of these big personalities. You know, Darius Geis had a torn ACL last year, had a leg injury at LSU. He's injury prone. And Adrian Peterson, in the three carries that he had in the preseason, looked like he did last year. Yes, he did. So we need a backup plan, and the backup plan should be AP. He signed for basically a song, and it shouldn't be Samaj AP Ryan. So, you know, manage him. You know, part of that I understand too. Um, I want to get to your prediction on the season here. Do you have anything else on Adrian Peterson? No. Do you have anything else on D. Hall going from one week saying Trent Williams isn't coming back to a week later saying that Trent Williams is going to be back sooner than later? Well, let me just say, like, I don't know anything about what Trent Williams is going to do. I have no knowledge, okay? But if you're an outside observer looking at this, it would seem like that uh, the same thing that's, that was obvious to a lot of us. Once the Houston trade window closed, I think they looked around and said, well, there's no place for me. There's no, there's, I have yep. no, there's no trade partners. I agree with you that. You know, I really am going to be stuck sitting here missing paychecks because the Redskins don't have really have any obvious trade partner with at this point unless somebody drastically gets hurt. And am I willing to gamble on that? To sit here and wait for somebody to get hurt once one, and you know who knows? Maybe the Houston window was the one Trent wanted all along. I think it, I think there's a chance that that's true. So so I think when that when that Bruce should open that damn window. Yes, he should have left that open that window for them to climb through and say, "Hey, here's what we got for your guy." Yeah, but I he, hope but he I, didn't. I hope he listened. He didn't because he wants to win this, <laughs> and he is going to win this in that sense. I mean, Trent's going to probably have to come back. With his tail between his legs, and it's gonna be real. Look, I maybe I'm overestimating how embarrassing it will be, but but when all is said and done, if Tread Williams comes back, he's gonna look like a fool. He's gonna look like a child that he threw this tantrum. I mean, he could have accomplished the holdout without the whole slandering of the Redskins medical staff. Right, he could have done the same thing. To, to have brought that no, into it. because he would have looked worse from the jump had there not been this other issue that created this impression that he couldn't trust them and couldn't trust them to take care of him medically. I mean, I think fans are, are numb to holdouts. You might be right, but it, but he but fans would have been much more frustrated with Trent holding out with two years left on his deal without the perceived extenuating circumstance. Well, I, I think I think he's going to look like a fool when he comes back. He's, he's, he's going to look like a child I, who threw a tantrum and got called on it. I don't if, – if the Redskins – and we may never know this – if the Redskins turn down a blockbuster offer from Houston um, for Trent Williams, I don't think that they will have won this um, by, by standing their ground, digging in their heels, and waiting for him – to see the Houston opportunity go away and the prospect of losing game checks, which he's going to lose one this week because he's not back this week, um, if he does end up coming back, um, if ultimately the Redskins could have gotten a boatload for him, I, th- I think that the jury's still out on whether or not they won this thing. Real quickly, stamps.com. Uh, if you're a small business like the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast, please reach out to stamps.com. It saves you money. It saves you time. It brings all of the amazing services of the, of the U.S. Post Office right to your computer. If you're a small office like ours sending out 
invoices occasionally or an online seller shipping out products or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages packages a day stamps.com handles it all with ease here's how you do it you use your computer to print u.s postage 24 hours a day seven days a week for any letter any package any class of mail anywhere you want to send it once your mail's ready just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in the mailbox it's that simple now with stamps.com listen to the savings right now we're saving five cents off every first class stamp and up to 40 percent off priority mail it's a no-brainer it's why 700,000 plus small businesses are already using stamps.com right now my listeners get a special offer four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment you just go to stamps.com click on the microphone at the top of the home page and type in kevin dc that's k-e-v-i-n-d-c Go to Stamps.com, enter Kevin DC, and enjoy the savings of time and money from Stamps.com. All right, uh, it's time. I'm going to do mine tomorrow because I'm going to do it on the radio show first. But the Redskins record in 2019 will be, with a footnote or two, go ahead. Five and 11. Not Not too good. Not too good. Weren't the worst in the league. (laughs) <laughs> weren't the worst in the league. Certainly weren't the best. Yeah, five, five and eleven. I think that the offense is is going to be worse than last year. I think they're going to struggle right from the start. I think they're going to find themselves playing from behind, and they're not going to have any ability to be able to do that. They didn't have the ability to do that last year. When they won, they were usually they usually took the lead early and then control the game. They're not going to be in that situation this year, which is going to put – and I think the special teams aren't going to be as good as they were last year. I think the defense, is, while maybe improved, is going to have more pressure on them this year. I don't think they'll be able to withstand the pressure. I think they'll start to fray as the season goes <laughs> on. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, like I said, I'm still sticking with the fact that the offensive line, Trent Williams or not – will not be able to protect any of their quarterbacks, and they'll have a quarterback who's not even on the roster come game 16. Do you want to even predict who that quarterback might be? No. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, 5-11. and 11. I, That's going to be right in line with, I think, most of the predictions about the Redskins season this year. 5-11 and 11 is probably within a game either way of what most of the yeah, predictions I will think be. So. Um, this year. I have not seen them picked any higher than third in any – preseason predictions so far. Um, you want to stick around while I do my AF- AFC picks? Yes. Okay. Because we're doing a shorter show today um, for a number of reasons. We both have commitments. Aaron's got a commitment. Um, by the way, tomorrow's show uh, will include some college football and my Redskins season prediction, as well as a preview of Skins, Eagles, smell test, uh, etc. Um, I wanted to mention just a couple of things as people get ready to watch their first NFL game. There, there have been some meaningful rule changes. First of all, the big one that got all the headlines in the offseason is being able to use replay challenge, the challenge system, on pass interference calls, either called or, or not called, off of the Saints-Rams thing. Um, I, I've mentioned this many times. I think this is going to be problematic in the final two minutes of the half or a game because it goes to the booth. It should should have been a coach's challenge opportunity in the throughout the game for all 60 minutes, but it will go to the booth in the final two minutes of a half or a game 
uh, or the game, and that's going to create, I think, many delays and a problem. Um, there are too many passes, too much contact on pass plays, and every time a pass interference gets flagged in the final two minutes of a half, you're going to get a review on it. So just remember that. Here's the other one I wanted to mention real quickly, the other rule change. You know how when, Tommy, there's excessive celebration after a touchdown? Yes. And they say, 15-yard penalty, excessive celebration, it'll be enforced on the uh, on the kickoff. Yeah. Well, now the team on defense that got scored on gets to choose whether or not they want it enforced on the PAT or the kickoff. If you score a late touchdown, down eight, trying to go for two to tie the game, and you get flagged for something stupid in the end zone, that two-point conversion is going to happen at the 17-yard line. Wow. That's a problem. Yeah. If I'm a coach, I am making sure that my team understands this rule, that we are not at a, in a late-game situation on an exciting, you know, potentially game-tying play, or it gives you a chance to tie, where the stadium's going nuts and we're going nuts. If you do anything stupid we're going to have near zero chance to tie the game because of where we'll be running the play from. Also, at the very end of a game, you know, down seven, let's just say, you score a touchdown and there's excessive celebration. Now the extra point's going to be a 48-yard extra point wow. to tie the game. So you got to be careful, teams in the Carrie NFL. Carrie Lloyd could make that. I'm sorry? Carrie Lloyd could make that. Carly? Carly, Carly Lloyd. Carly I always Lloyd. call her Carrie. Yeah, Carly Lloyd could make it. Um... So one of those things, I bet early in the season, you're going to see that, and you're going to say, you know, it was 27-20, team scores, it's 27-26, they get flagged for excessive celebration, eight seconds left in the game, and the guy hooks the 48-yard extra point. Sounds like a Redskins loss to me. <laughs> Would you stop it? That's By the way, that's 15 yards for piling on. Um, all right, uh, I gave you yesterday my um, AFC picks. Uh, many of you were very surprised that I ended up with the Denver Broncos in the AFC Championship game. That's my big... Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. You're so flacco. Uh, ma- 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 no, it's, it's much more about their defense. This is potentially the best defense in football with now an NFL quarterback. With some talent, uh, more talent on offense. And a defensive head coach. And a, and a great defensive yes. head coach in Vic Fangio. Um, so yesterday, um, I had the Chiefs over the Broncos in the AFC. Uh, Now let me give you my NFC picks. All right, here they are, the NFC picks, which will lead us to who's going to face the Chiefs because I had the Chiefs over the Broncos in the AFC title game. Uh, The NFC East, um, the Cowboys and Eagles are both very good football teams on paper. They really are. Hate to say it, but they really are. And by the way, there's a massive difference really going into this season between Dallas and Philadelphia, and then the bottom of the division, Washington and the Giants. There just is. There is from a quarterback standpoint. There is from a skill position standpoint. You know, the Giants have some skill position players. And you know, obviously with Saquon Barkley, the offensive lines are better. The defenses are better. In Philly's case, the coaching staff with Peterson and Schwartz is much better. Um, and they've got Philly's got the best quarterback situation in the division with Wentz. I think Prescott is a good quarterback but in the mold of put enough around him and he can be really good yes and I think that's what we've seen at times when they they, they put a lot around him uh, they're gonna fight it out for the division they're both going to go 11 and five there's a late game uh, at Lincoln Financial 
second to last weekend of the season in Philly. They win that game. That uh, gives them the tiebreaker advantage. I got the Eagles winning the division at 11 and 5. The Cowboys being a wild card at 11 and 5. I got the Giants at 7 and 9 improved. I'm not going to be surprised if the Giants are much better than people are thinking. And I'll save my Redskins prediction for tomorrow, but I think you can safely uh, you know, come to the conclusion that I do not have them in the postseason. And I don't. The NFC North is a brutal division. The NFC as a whole is so much better and deeper than the AFC. Yes. In fact, I counted this morning. I think there are nine teams in the NFC. Nine out of the 16 that if any one of those nine were in the Super Bowl, you wouldn't be that shocked. Dallas and Philadelphia in the NFC East. In the NFC North, Chicago, Minnesota, or Green Bay. Right. In the South, the Saints or the Falcons. And in the West, the Seahawks or the Rams. I don't think anybody would say that's completely no, nuts. No, I agree. With it, Deep, deep, the NFC is. I got the Bears winning the NFC North. They've got defensive talent. I mean, with Jackson on the back, Khalil Mack in the front. You know, they're going to miss Vic Fangio as their coordinator. I like their offensive players. I, I love Anthony, uh, Anthony Miller as a wide receiver. I think in this second year, he's going to step up and be a big-time player. I really like the signing of Mike Davis. Now, they also drafted David Montgomery from Iowa State. Their running back situation, and you got Tarek Cohen as well. Um, but I think Davis is a guy that I would have thought about if I needed a running back in the offseason. He's been you know, in that Seattle mix the last few years. The Bears were 12-4 and last year, lost a home playoff game. 10-6 and this year because of the division and the schedule. Um, I just think the Bears will win it, though. I am not high, believe it or not, on Minnesota being a Super Bowl or an NFC Championship contender like a lot of people are. Something's not right there. I can't put my finger on it. It might be Kirk. It might be the offense that he was in. They are doing everything they can to ensure that he's got everything he needs. Last year, they had a terrible offensive line and an offensive coordinator situation that didn't work. They had an offense that didn't work for him. Now they got some advice from Gary Kubiak. Stefanski's the offensive coordinator. They've got some players. They've improved their offensive line. Their defense last year was inconsistent, better late. I just I don't know what it is, and I love Mike Zimmer too. I just don't have a great feeling about Minnesota. I think they're going to win nine games and be in the hunt for a wild card and be in the hunt for the division. I don't see them making this big leap this year. Nine and seven, no playoffs. Second place, Minnesota. Detroit's going to be much improved. Matt Stafford, I've been a fan of. A little bit of an off year, some injuries. They don't have the greatest receivers. They're not terrible. You like Galladay, right? Don't you a little bit, Aaron? Yeah, Galladay's solid. You know, he's solid. I'm a big carry on Johnson fan. You know, Ty Johnson stuck on that final roster. You predicted that. Aaron predicted mm-hmm. that. Ty Johnson out of Maryland. Defensively, Detroit's pretty good, damn good. You know, and they're well coached defensively, too, with obviously their head coach, Matt Patricia. I think they'll be improved at 8 and 8, and I got the Packers coming in last at 7 and 9. You know, a lot of what the Packers will do will depend on Aaron Rodgers, yeah. his health, et cetera, and the relationship he has with Matt LaFleur. In the South, I'm rooting against the Saints as much as anybody in the NFL this year. What, what they did after that championship game, the whining, the suing, the legal action from all these fans and different groups, 
it's just the the poorest of, of sports. Oh come on! I think on. the Saints were. Oh my God! The whining. Justice. You still have you still have some of these these lawsuits that are Good. being delayed or being looked at. Are you Good. kidding me? It's a it's a it's a game. Justice. Oh my God! It's the worst. And the crying from Peyton and this this pass interference replay rule. It's all Good. bullshit. Good. All bullshit. Good. I'm rooting like hell for them to fail miserably. But they're too good to fail too much. I've got them winning the division at 11-5. and five. But I have the Carolina Panthers. I like the Panthers this year. First of all, I've always been a fan of Ron Rivera. I, I know not everybody is. There's a reason he's still there after all this time. It's because he's actually a pretty damn good coach. They have talent. The key, of course, for them is Cam Newton's health and right. how North Turner uses him. Um, but I like that that relationship a little bit. Cam Newton's got to stay healthy. If he does, he has. Where's McCaffrey going in most fantasy drafts, Aaron? Uh, top four. Got McCaffrey. Um, they've got DJ Moore back in his second year. They got hopefully a healthy Greg Olson back, um, and they've got defensive talent. And they've added to it. You know, Don Terry Poe, Gerald McCoy to go with Short, um, with Keekly. Uh, you know, they've got a good football team. I think this is a year that Carolina makes a run. Uh, they're not going to win the division, but they're going to get to the postseason finishing second with a 10-6 and six record in the NFC South. Falcons are good, too. Yeah, Another they are. good football team. Yeah. I just think that the Panthers are going to end up being a little bit better. I got the Falcons at 8-8, eight and eight, and I got the Bucks at 4-12. and 12. Out West, here's my surprise in the NFC. Seattle wins the division. 11-4-1. No Sean McVay? 11-4-1 is the record I am predicting for oh, them. A tie. They're, they're going to have a tie. They're going to tie the 49ers during the course of oh the season. Um, the Seattle's good. Okay, first of all, they've got Russell Wilson. Secondly, they are a well-coached team. Thirdly, they just added Jadavian Clowney to a team that already has Ziggy Ansah and Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright. They got a chance to be good. We know what their home field advantage is. I know they're hoping DK Metcalf, who slipped to the second round, ends up emerging with Tyler Lockett as another really good option at wide receiver because that's really where they've had some issues in recent years. I like Seattle to win the division because one of the teams that everybody assumes is going to finish with one of the four best. Right now, it's like Chiefs, Patriots, Saints, Rams. Yes, Everybody's got them as like a top four. One of those teams will not make the playoffs. And I've got it being the L.A. Rams won't make the playoffs. They'll finish 10-6, and six, but they'll lose the tiebreaker with the Panthers. Seattle wins the division. Rams 10-6, and six, 49ers 6-9-1, and one, <laughs> and the Cardinals 4-12. For whatever reason, Seattle and the 49ers, I think, have tied a couple times. Your wild cards, your division winners again, Philadelphia, Chicago, the Saints, and Seattle. Your top two seeds are going to be uh, Seattle and Philly. Cowboys and Panthers are the wild cards. In the wild card round, I got the Cowboys over the Bears. I've got the Panthers over the Saints. In the upset, Panthers over the Saints. In the divisional round, I got the Seahawks over the Panthers, the Eagles over the Cowboys, and then I've got the Eagles over the Seahawks in the NFC Championship game, winning in Seattle on the road, facing the Chiefs in a Super Bowl where you get Andy Reid and the protege, Doug Peterson, and Doug Peterson and Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Last year I was off them. Remember, I said not en- not enough defense. This year they've added to their defense, and you get Mahomes in in year two as a starter. It's the Chiefs over the Eagles in Super Bowl Fifty Four. 
There you go, boys and girls. There you go, boys and girls. That's it for today. Um, back tomorrow, do some college football, and I'll do smell test and all the NFL stuff and my Redskins record prediction as well. Have a great day.